With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the sunny city of Angels, where uh, we got week nine in the books, right? Week nine in the books of the National Football League. We are on to week ten. Why Bill Belichick continues to look like a genius. Got really quiet about all that that rift in the Patriots locker room from the offseason. Uh, we have some college hoop tonight, a little college hoop tip-off with uh, Kentucky taking on Duke after Michigan State takes on Kansas. I got some picks for you tonight. 
Should be great. The most boring college football season of all time continues. We will discuss the one thing that has happened that we always wondered if it would happen. And um, um, I think a big night, a huge night for one NBA team coaching staff franchise. But let's start with what we saw last night. It's a 14 all tie. Matter of fact, it should have been a lead for the Dallas Cowboys. You know, you get a team like the Titans turns it over that much in the first half. You can't have a lead at home going into the break. That's a bad feeling. They did find Amari Cooper, and in the first half, they did run Ezekiel Elliott a ton. In the second half, he only got six touches, that being Elliott. Cooper was modestly, at best, effective. And the Cowboys fell at home 28-14. And with all the huff and all the bluster and all the hype, about the Cowboys coming out of the bye week. Coming out of the bye week. That's what you do out of a bye week? Oh, and stop me if you heard me this before, but Sean Lee got hurt. Stop me if you heard me this before, but it's his hamstring. I know, I know, I know. Well, when he's healthy, he's never healthy. So here we are, Cowboys 3-5, and five, on a trajectory which takes him out of the playoffs. Season not over, but feeling like it's, uh, what's the Yogi Berra expression? It's getting late early. Sure is. And then you have the Raiders, who embarrassed themselves last Thursday night by absolutely quitting on John Gruden. And you know what I'm here to tell you? I'd rather be the Raiders than the Cowboys. The race to the middle does you nothing. Don't get me wrong, the Giants still have to find a quarterback. The Washington Redskins got blown out at home by the Atlanta Falcons, right? a team that is mired and muddled with injuries on their defensive side of the football. And they have Alex Smith, who is Mr. Regular Season and Captain Checkdown. And then you have the Eagles, who have looked every bit the championship team with the post-championship hangover. It's not like anybody's running away and hiding in that division. And so I'm not telling you that the Cowboys season is lost, but even if it isn't lost and they make the playoffs, I'd still rather be the Raiders. Blasphemy, I know. What historically can you point to? The Sixers? The Astros? Hell, uh, the Celtics, the Bucks, All teams that understood. Who cares if you're in the middle? If you don't have the right pieces and then you overpay in trying to fix some of those pieces... You're bound to be in cap hell and be stuck in the middle. The Cowboys lost again last night, which is a win for the Raiders, who just so happened to have held up a complete heist of Jerry Jones and his staff and got him and gave him Amari Cooper. Oh, no, we don't want to lose Amari Cooper, a wide receiver who's not as good as the 14 million he's going to be paid next year. Oh, no. But maybe we could be talked into it with a first-round pick. Oh, a first-round pick? Oh, you got us, Jerry. You got us. Oh, man. You just really, wink, wink, nod, nod, got over on us on the trade. Oh, Khalil Mack, he's so awesome. He is awesome. Bears won without him again this weekend. There's no doubting that he's awesome, but he's not $90 million awesome. $79 million under the cap for next year. 79 million. 
They are flush with cash. They are like, um, is it, was it Scrooge McDuck? Right? You guys remember DuckTales? Don't act like you didn't watch DuckTales. DuckTales. Woo! Right? And Scrooge McDuck used to take a little dive, a little swim in his piles of money. That's Gruden right now. Swimming in his money. Vegas will float him some cash because they're cash poor. And oh yeah, by the way, they have one, two, three, four, five first round picks over the next two years. Gruden might screw it up, but all you got to hit on is two out of five. And you're doing pretty well for yourself. Here's Jerry Jones after the game. Dak is um, completely capable of uh, looking at what the situation was last night. Uh, You don't have anybody that's more capable to look at that and uh, take it to the practice field and take it to uh, learn from that for the next ball game. Is he your quarterback for the next 10 years? Dak is the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. He's young, and he's going to get extended. He's young, he's going to get extended. You know what? We think he's so average, we're going to pay him at a rate commensurate with the top quarterback in the game which is going to forever hurt our ability to put more pieces around him, which will completely shine a light on just how average he is. Remember, the Cowboys, they didn't just change offensive line coaches during the bye week. They changed most of their coaching staff during the offseason. So you had all these relationships with the players. Those guys are gone. The leadership of Witten is gone. They never really replaced Des Bryant until last week. And it's not like Amari Cooper in the last two years has shown the ability to be a, what Des Bryant was at the peak of his career. No one seems to know what they're doing. Sean Lee's always hurt. The offensive line isn't as good as it's built to be. You still don't have uh, the dominance of Travis Frederick. And, oh, yeah, by the way, you're going to overpay Dak Prescott in the offseason. And your first-round first draft pick is going to the Raiders. And because Amari Cooper's set to get to to be to play under that fifth year option, you're probably going to redo his contract and ultimately overpay Amari Cooper. Outside of that, Mrs. Lincoln, how is the show? Hey, Zeke Elliott, right? Has he got a second contract yet? No. Is he good? Yes, he's actually awesome. So. Look, I would rather be a team flush with cash and with draft picks, even if I have no idea who's going to be my next stars, as opposed to guys who have shown themselves at the most, Im- the most important position in the NFL is quarterback. And the only time you can get away with having an average quarterback is when he's on a rookie contract. Right? It's what the Bears have shown, what the Rams have shown, what, you know, pick out any of these guys on these deals or what the Cowboys were able to show two years ago. But once he starts getting paid at the level of a top 10 quarterback, and he'll probably get as much money as anybody in the game, because that's the way the game works. Then you're going to struggle to continue to add pieces to hide what he really is, which is, eh. Eh. Anytime you say that, man, I really like it when he runs it and he's a quarterback. That's telling me she's got a great personality when I ask you how she looks. Every rule in the game has been changed and designed to protect quarterbacks in the pocket because we have spoken as the American sports viewer saying, we like guys that throw a football to a wide receiver who catches a football. That's what seems to make us feel good inside. 
And you can give me Cam Newton, but he's not Cam Newton as a runner. And even Cam Newton as a runner is bound to likely get hurt as big a human being as he is. And he seems like the biggest human being on earth when he runs. I would rather be the Raiders, who some people call the laughing stock of the league, tied into a 10-year, $100 million contract with John Gruden, caught in between stadiums, in between cities, than I would the biggest name in professional sports, which is the Dallas Cowboys, with the sickest stadium, the wealthiest owner, and the biggest evaluation. Because I don't care about being three and five, five and five, eight and eight. I'm cool being really bad if I'm purposely really bad so I can load up on draft picks and stash away cash for the future. That's what the Raiders have done. So congrats to the Cowboys. They have found their hideously, completely, and totally average quarterback for the next five years. And they're going to get goaded into, it's not Dak's fault. I don't think it's all Dak's fault. I don't. I think the offensive line, I think the they weren't able to find a tight end in short notice because they thought they were getting their Hall of Fame tight end back. But they, they didn't. And then they cut Dez at the last possible moment and didn't replace him until last week. And yeah, a little bit of bad luck with Travis Frederick coming down with an autoimmune disease. Like these are all bad, you know, some, some of it's bad luck and bad timing. And Sean Lee gets hurt again. And some of it's bad luck and bad timing. But you got a chance to get out of this Dak deal and you're not going to because everyone's going to do everything except blame Dak Prescott. He may not be all of the problem, but he is not the solution. Here's Troy Aikman explaining the Cowboys' problems on 1310 The Ticket. This team, over a long period of time, has been what it's been. And it hasn't always mattered who the head coach has been. And so, to me, if you're asking me, I'd say there has to be a complete overhaul of the entire organization. You just can't simply replace head coaches and say, now it's going to be better. No, it, 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 it's, it's been shown that it's not better. I've heard Jerry say, okay, look, we're going to do it differently. I'm going to do it differently. You know, I can no longer, but it's the same. Nothing changes. No, nothing seems to change. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. The feeling you get of being an expatriate, spelled E-X-P-A-T-R-I-A-T-E, is completely opposite of being an ex-New England Patriot. Because those guys, with the, exception, with the exception of Adam Vinatieri and maybe Chandler Jones, and I guess for five games last year, Jimmy Garoppolo, they all stink. Did you watch Malcolm Butler last night? Did you? Cowherd called him an utter disaster. He was at least, uh, at least there had been discussions in Nashville before the game, whether or not Malcolm Butler, who signed a huge free agents deal, would be demoted ahead of the game. And now, of course, they get get, get ready for the Dallas Cowboys, and that continues to be a story. Mike Vrabel said, when you play man coverage, you have to look at your man. Malcolm knows that. We talk about that. We continue to practice that, continue to coach it. We try and show it to him. 
When he does that, it's pretty good. It's competitive. He challenges the receivers. When you look back at the quarterback, your man has a tendency to move in another direction. This feels like football 101, right? So, Malcolm Butler is not playing good football. And now, of course, to get ready for the Patriots, who are going to pick on Malcolm Butler. And do you remember, do you remember the narrative in the offseason? Oh, Bill Belichick, he sacrificed the the Super Bowl because he didn't play Malcolm Butler. Why didn't he play Malcolm Butler? We even jokingly asked several expatriates who are elsewhere, why didn't they play Malcolm Butler? And what was what was the story? Hey, I, I'm not talking about last year. I'm talking about this year. Do you know why? Because because Belichick knew history was on his side. He had identified that Malcolm Butler, whatever awesomeness he had in that one play in the Super Bowl, and the fact that as an underpaid guy. Remember, he entered the league as an undrafted free agent, a UFA. So they got him on the cheap, played him on the cheap, and when he wanted to get paid, they jettisoned him. And, oh, yeah, by the way, he got exposed last year in the regular season and in the playoffs. And that was against bad quarterbacks. That was against Mariota. That was against Blake Bortles. It was like no one wanted to tell the whole story. He had two weeks off before the Super Bowl. The week of the Super Bowl, he didn't go to the team doctors. Instead, checked into a hospital, missed the team plane, flew there on his own. In addition to the fact he wasn't playing well. So he'd been playing poorly and then was a no-show at the team plane, the facility, and their first workout when they got to the Twin Cities. And Belichick was, was the bad guy for not playing him? Bill Belichick has history on his side. And you can sit there and go like, well, you know, his replacement got torched because they tried to have Patrick Chung fill in for him. Malcolm Butler would have got torched. How do I know? He's gotten torched every game. He's been a Tennessee Titan. After the Alan Hearns touchdown, which he was wide open yesterday, Alan Hearns was wide open. He hadn't been wide open at all this year. That's one of the Cowboys' problems. Malcolm Butler has now been the nearest defender in coverage on six touchdowns. Second only to Marcus Peters this season, according to the NFL's next-gen stats. By the way, Marcus Peters, traded by Andy Reid. Why? Because he stares in the backfield and tries to make plays on the ball. Instead of, what's the Bill Belichick expression that Sean Payton steals from? Do your job. Malcolm Butler is 82nd, he's ranked 82nd in cornerbacks, according to Pro Football Focus. Okay, let's do the math here, okay? Two starting quarterbacks on every team, 32 teams. I'm not great at all, like my son is struggling with his his, uh, math facts and his multiplication tables. Like once you get past six or seven, he struggles a little bit here in fourth grade. But I do know that 32 times 2 is 64. So that would make him worse, at least per pro football focus, than every other starting cornerback in the National Football League. And, oh yeah, by the way, if we bring in slot corners, slot corners, 
We add in 32 more. 32 to 64 is to 6 plus 3, 96. So if he was playing as a slot corner, he would be middle to bottom of the league. But he's not. He's the highest paid and supposed to be the best cornerback, and he's the worst best cornerback by far in the National Football League. Here's what he told the Titans.com. This is a team-friendly website about his struggles this season. I think sometimes my problem is I'm trying to get the ball. You gamble. You do things you shouldn't. You just need to get back to basics. I need to get back to my doggish ways. I'm going to get back to being real nasty, man. I'm going to play my game and do more to help my team out. I'm just going to be me. Don't do you. Do us. Right. Everyone, like, look, he's a one-play guy. Like, I, I'm, he's, not like La- he's not Larry Brown. Larry Brown was famously the Super Bowl MVP because Neil O'Donnell threw to him like three times. Like Neil O'Donnell suddenly in the Super Bowl, former Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback, was colorblind and threw the ball to Larry Brown three times. And Larry Brown got a huge deal afterwards with the Dallas Cowboys and sucked afterwards. Excuse me, with the Raiders afterwards. He's playing with the Cowboys with the Raiders afterwards. Uh, don't get me wrong, Malcolm Butler, as for an undrafted free agent, overachieved. And Malcolm Butler did make the play of his life and a play to help the Super Bowl. But part of that play was the fact that, one, Russell Wilson did, in fact, stare down his wide receiver. Two, Russell Wilson threw the ball high because he's small instead of low. And three, it was because they watched it in film study. Down around the goal line, when they stacked those two wide receivers, he knew exactly what was coming. He got to guess, and he guessed right. The Patriots got the Super Bowl last year in spite of, not because of their defense. Bill Belichick didn't suddenly become a complete idiot and not play his best cornerback in the Super Bowl. He played a guy that was wildly overrated, and it's been exposed to such so far with the Tennessee Titans. You can tell me all you want about Belichick cost his team the Super Bowl. Dude, they had the ball in Tom Brady's hands without Brandon Cooks, who got hurt on the first series. They had, you want to tell me Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time? I'll argue with you, but if you want to tell me top five quarterback of all time, okay. He's the most successful quarterback in the history of the sport. And whatever you think of Bill Belichick, his quarterback had the ball down five with a chance to go down, score, and win the game. And they didn't do it because his quarterback got strip-sacked. And you can sit there and go like, well, he would have picked. Like, all right, how come nobody said, you know, the Eagles defense never made the Patriots punt? Patriots didn't punt. Missed a field goal, missed an extra point, had turnovers, did not punt the ball once. No one wants to consider the fact, the idea that it might not have been a one-possession game if Malcolm Butler played, because he sucked. It is possible that the guy who has had his team appear in eight Super Bowls might know a little bit more about football, especially defensive football, which is his primary, uh, his, his primary attribute or uh, his specialty, more than... Me, you, former players, TV pundits. Don't believe me? The last thing you want to be called in the National Football League 
is an expatriate. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. I just watched and uh, tweeted out one of the funniest videos I've ever seen. Um, it is not safe for work. It is on my Twitter page, la- labeled as not safe for work. Uh, but it's one fan's reaction when Caleb Sturgis misses an extra point, something he did not once but twice on Sunday, and he missed a field goal. And let's be honest, I'll put the missed two-point conversion on him as well because you don't go for two in the first quarter of a game unless, well, your kicker has already shown that he can't make an extra point. So the Chargers left seven points on the field, still won by eight, although they needed a deflection on an untimed down in Seattle to do so. And a guy who saw every play, seen every play the Chargers have played this uh, this year is Daniel Jeremiah, who joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Um, I'd like to say best, te- you know, best team in the NFL without a kicker, but I don't know how to characterize. <laughs> like the Chargers have played really well, with exception, and they've actually played pretty well against Kansas City, with exception maybe the Rams game and part of that Kansas City game, and they've done so without Hunter Henry, who may return, and without Joey Bosa, who will return, who's probably their best defensive player. And yet, there's the kicking game, and they're gonna make, they made a kicking change already. Give me your thoughts on the Chargers, the team that you call the games for. Well, I mean, I think the encouraging thing, Doug, is they still find a way to, to win these games. I mean, there was a point in time I think I had it where it was a, you said seven. I think I had it with six points. You know, that where they left off the table with uh, with the kicking situation. It should have been thirty-one to ten at Seattle. And this is uh, this is a place where I know it's not the old Seattle team, but they haven't lost. It's ridiculous. That stat that they hadn't lost at home to an AFC team since 2011. Russell Wilson never lost to an AFC team, and there have been some pretty good ones that have rolled through there. So not an easy place to play, and I thought they really dominated the football game, saved the whole kicking situation. So the good news is the kid that they're, uh, that they're signing, uh, Michael Badgley, who was filling in for a couple games when Caleb Sturgis was out, uh, he was 10 for 10 on all of his kicks. Now his kickoffs were terrible, so they've got to figure out what to do there. Uh, but I feel like you've you at least upgraded the, the, the field goal kicking and the extra points. I mean, to miss the extra points that have been missed is, is it's just you can't excuse it. Completely and totally inex- inexcusable. Um, all right, so when they get Bosa back, like where do you put them yeah. in this hierarchy of AFC teams, which went from, you know, we started the year going like, is anybody really any good in the AFC to, well, Kansas City might be the best team in the sport, even with with their with their defense. And New England beat Kansas City and continues to improve and evolve. And then you have a team like like the Chargers, um, as well as the Steelers, who we think are going to get back Le'Veon Bell. They seem to have figured some stuff out. Where do you put the Chargers in this mix in the AFC? Well, all due respect to Le'Veon Bell, I mean, the job that Connor's done there, um, you know, I don't know how much better they're going to be with Lev Bell. What the Chargers, they don't, I mean, Joey Bosa, I mean, that is a major, major addition. And then if you get Hunter Henry back in time for the last couple games or the post and get him ready to go for the postseason, you've added what I believe is one of the five best tight ends in the NFL. So you're adding a top-five defensive player, a top-five tight end in the NFL to a team that in their last, I believe they finished 8-2 and two or 6-2 and two in their last eight games last year. They're 6-2 and two to start now. That's a 12-4 and four team over the last 16 games. They are, they're dangerous as anybody in the AFC. They can beat anybody. That Chiefs game, you know, early in the season without those two players and without a couple drop passes, they're right there. So uh, I definitely think it could be a dangerous team in the postseason. All right, let's get to a couple of things. I'll listen to your podcast. You should too, by the way. The podcast is called Move the Sticks. He and Bucky Brooks. You can hear Bucky Brooks on Fox Sports Radio as well. 
joins us in the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, okay, so um, I- I'm I'm watching the Cowboys. They ma- they made changes with other position coaches in the offseason. Now they change an offensive line coach during the bye week. They add in a wide receiver, and their offense still isn't any good. Point the fingers of blame. What's wrong with the Cowboys' offense? I still don't think that the personnel is great. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of blame to go around. I thought the injury that hasn't really been talked about, really the two injuries that haven't been talked about in the NFL, Travis Frederick, they miss him in a huge way at Dallas. Uh, and then the other one I would say is Cam Cam Robinson, the left tackle for Jacksonville. But uh, with Dallas, with their issues, I mean, I saw Troy Aikman came out and said they needed kind of wholesale changes. I would I would be in agreement there. Although your owners already came out and committed to Dak going forward, so he's going to be the quarterback. So you're going to have to build the team around him. And uh, and right now they, they don't have the, the pieces to win with that type of a formula. You okay, need a, okay. For so, me, a dominant tight end. They need a dominant tight end. I, a big way to help him out. I would agree. And look, the, the tight end is a major. And they had one. He's in the booth. They had a quarterback. He's in another booth, right? And now they got a. Mm-hmm. So I, I understand the tight end thing caught him off guard. I mean, you see the Chargers, right? They lost their tight end to injury who may return, and they've had to kind of cover up, uh, cover that up. It's really, really hard at the last second uh, to, 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 you know, to, to find something to cover that up. Um, but I guess we're all operating under this assumption that Dak's going to be re-signed because Jerry said Dak's going to be re-signed. But is he good enough considering the other flaws they have? And now, once you re-sign him, you're not going to have as much money to sprinkle around and spread around. Well, you know, I don't think he's a great quarterback. I, the other problem is, what are, what are your options? And you don't have a first-round pick now anyway. So I, I don't think there's anything on the horizon they can do um, to upgrade that position. Um, the difference, I would say, just going back to talking about the Chargers not having their tight end, is Phillips not dependent on any of that. I think Dak is very much a dependent quarterback at this point in time. He needs a great offensive line. He needs to have a big-time tight end. He needs to have a defense that's going to control uh, control the, that side of things so that the games are going to be lower scoring. He can make make a couple plays here or there. Whereas Phillip Rivers, they don't have a tight end, no problem. We'll go three wides and we'll find other ways to get it done. We'll throw to the backs. We'll do whatever we have to do. Um, so they, they have to build a lot of pieces around Dak Prescott, and now you don't have one of those resources with a draft pick. So I, I think this is a very average football team, Doug, and when I look out into the future, I, I don't see how they escape that level uh, in the next couple of years. I think they're going to be an average football team for a couple of years. What about the Tennessee Titans? Uh, they needed that win. Mariota made a couple of throws in tight windows. They did so despite uh, you know a couple turnovers in the first half. What's our assessment of the Titans in that AFC South? Uh, it's interesting. I mean, they, you know, if you're kind of doing the college football thing and they talk about resumes, I mean, this is a team that, uh, that beat the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, which is a great win for them. The Chargers saw that over in London. Last play, you know, they get a conversion. They win that game. They've, uh, they've been very competitive. And I'll give Mariota credit. I have not been the biggest Marcus Mariota supporter. But the last couple weeks against the Chargers and and in this game, and you go back to that Eagles game, he's had some really good games this year. Now, he's not as consistent as you'd like, um, but he's played well. He's he's shown some signs there of life. And defensively, they're they're pretty disciplined. They gave up some big plays uh, in London to the Chargers, but last night I thought they just kind of smothered the Cowboys. Uh, uh, I heard on the podcast you mentioned that Kareem Hunt, like if not for Mahomes, Kareem Hunt would be getting 
MVP MVP run. How much of it is Hunt? How much of it is people are so scared of their speed and their wide receivers and their tight end? Well, it all factors together. But the kid's on pace for 23 touchdowns, and it feels like he's not even discussed. You know, and that's partly because of Mahomes and a lot because Todd Gurley as well. What those guys are doing, but um, I think that you know, if this was, if he wasn't there, I don't know if this is, is something that can sustain through the postseason. I think he's the key for them going into the postseason. You're gonna be playing at home in Arrowhead. It's not gonna be great weather. Um, he's gonna be kind of the key figure. So right now, I think Mahomes is the star of the show, and uh, and they're a little bit more dependent on him. I think if they get in the postseason and they're gonna make a deep run. Uh, something Andy Reid's been, uh, you know, hasn't done in a while since going back to Philadelphia. They're going to need uh, Kareem Hunt to be the focus, and I think he will be the focus. What, uh, what's your, what's your take on Baltimore on what they do during this bye week? I thought they might make a change. I really did. Um, we were sitting there, you know, I, I read Harbaugh's comments after the game on the flight home on Sunday night, and uh, I saw where he said, you know, uh, we want to get Lamar Jackson on the field more. And I believe he played 12 or 13 snaps in that game. So if you're getting, you know, 55 to 60 snaps a game on offense and he doesn't think 13 is enough, I thought, well, I mean, you might as well just start him then. If you want to do it, you're stagnant offensively. Um, you want to switch things up. I thought with a bye week, two weeks to get him ready to go, I, I was kind of anticipating we might see that, that change take place. But now it sounds like they're going to give him a series to go along with what he's doing. I mean, I, I don't think that, you know, playing the two guys has ever worked at any level. Um, so I, I don't think that's going to end well. I, I would agree with you. My thing is, while I understand he's a first-round pick, you don't pick a first-round pick to sit and not see him, has there been a moment when he has played quarterback where he looked like he could be an NFL quarterback? They haven't really They haven't really made the offense into what it would have to be for him to be successful. It's totally different than what they have going for him now. And when they bring him in now, basically it's running zone read. It's, you know, play here or there, uh, design runs. So, I mean, to me, you have to reconstruct the offense, which can be difficult to do in the middle of the season. But I thought, you know, it's a Hail Mary move, Doug. You know, and Hail Marys don't often work. But it's uh, it's kind of looking at where you are right now and knowing that if you don't get in the postseason, it's going to cost you your job. So I, that's usually when you see a Hail Mary get thrown. So I, I think he, he's going he's to start games before the season's over. I really do believe that. Was, was what happened to Marcus Peters in New Orleans the aha moment to the why did Andy Reid give up on Mar- uh, Oh, that's what is it. Was that the aha moment? Well, I mean, look, he's, first of all, you got to play him in off coverage. He's not as comfortable up there in press, and that's been exposed. Um, but I thought, you know, with, with Andy Reid, I thought it was more about the future and resources and where they want to spend their money. And Andy Reid, with the way the NFL is set up right now, doesn't want to spend his money on a corner. Um, that, that's, to me, I think is, is probably going to end up being a smart move. Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. How do we get here to where the Saints are not only the hottest team in the NFL, but many people consider them the best team in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, look, I've picked them to lose like four in the last five weeks, and I've been wrong every single time. They've just continued to roll. I, I, I have questions about them defensively. They, I've seen Ryan Fitzpatrick go in there and torch them, you know, go off even though they lost through for almost 400 yards. So they're not a perfect team, but they are a perfect team playing indoors. And with Drew Brees and that offense cranked up, uh, they go out and they get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. I mean, that's going to be a tough place to go in and win. So um, it's uh, it's a dangerous team offensively and defensively. They stop the run. They're physical up front. I still think there's uh, there's some holes there in the back end. 
but they're going to win a lot of shootouts with that offense. And if they get home field advantage, they're they're the, they're the team to beat. Uh, okay, so. How does New England do this? Like, I, I I try and sell people on, like, look, they're incredibly pragmatic. You know, they they do the – there's an expression in basketball, which is – and I think it's the same in football, which is pros do what they do well and don't do anything else, right? Whereas amateurs try and show you that what you think they can't do, they actually can do. And that's really the Patriots, right? Like, Cordell Patterson's a wide receiver who can really, really run the football. I know he ran it some in college. They run the football, so they're like, all right, we don't have a running back. Let's just make Cordero Patterson, who's a running wide receiver, into a running back. Done. But, I mean, you don't have Gronk, you don't have Sonny Michel, and you're still able to win a tough game against the Packers? How do they do this? Well, two things. First of all, um, you know, having worked in Baltimore, and Ozzie Newsom learned under Bill Belichick, so you hear a lot of those things that carry through Ozzie's message, and it was something we always said in our draft room. Don't waste our time telling us the room what a guy can't do. Let's tell us what he can do. What role can he fill for us? Uh, that's where you spend your time, and that's a sign of a good evaluator and a good system. When you say he can do X, Y, and Z, we're not going to ask him to do any other stuff. And that's what Bill Belichick has made a career off of. And I think some people thought he just kind of plucked that out of uh, midair, like we're going to put Cordell Patterson back there. Carried the ball like 23 times at Tennessee. He averaged like over 12 yards on a lot of variety of ways they got him the ball. He did it a little bit in Minnesota, a 47-yard touchdown run uh, with Oakland. So there was some evidence there that he could do this, and he uh, and he, he took it and ran with it and just gave him a little more volume. So uh, that's what Bill Belichick's always done. The other thing is just speaks to how great Tom Brady is, and I used a basketball analogy when, when talking about him the other day. I said, it's you know, there's open gyms where you'll see five guys rolling together, and they'll, they'll sit and wait till they get their run. Tom Brady just comes in there by himself and just says, give me whatever four guys you want to give me, and, uh, and you're never going to get him off the court. It doesn't matter if Gronk's playing, Sony Michelle's playing, is, is Julian Edelman suspended. It, it doesn't matter. As long as he's out there, they win. I, 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 will, I will. Can I add to your can – I, can I change and kind of tinker your analogy there? Yes, please do. Okay, so yes, he needs four other guys to run the court. But he wants vets, right? He wants smart guys. He no. would prefer smart guys and guys that could know, again, kind of same thing, know what they do well, right? As opposed to the guy that, that can't play, that clears everybody out to go one-on-one, <laughs> only, only let it make it rain, right? So it's We all know that guy. Told, we, all, we all know that guy, which, which is amazing. And then they come in and they run the court, and you're like, wait, how the hell did they just run the court? Like, they're not any good. Like, yeah, but they know how to play basketball and know how to play together. That's what he does with his football team. Yeah, no, he's, he's definitely he's out there playing with the guy with the cutoff sweatshirt. That's what he's doing. Okay, so uh, I'm doing play-by-play with Baldy this week. Oh, nice. Yes, nice. Saints, Bengals. And I'm, I'm honestly, I'm going to copy Money, Matt Money Smith, who does play-by-play for you, right? Just very crisp, yep. clean setup calls, and then lay out and let Baldy do the rest, right? And that isn't that the gig. And Baldy is the best. He is the best. So you're gonna have, you're gonna have a blast. That's a great, first of all, great matchup. I know. That'll be a fun game. No, and, no, uh, no, AJ Green. No, 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 AJ Green. I'm a little bummed about that. Yeah, but Tyler Boyd is balling. Yeah, so you're gonna have. Uh, it's gonna be fun, man. That's gonna, that's a great game, and Baldy literally. Of all the people I've worked with, he's he, he might be at the very top of my list. Absolutely a stud. He's so well prepared. He enjoys it. There's 
you know, when you work with people that love what they do, it's just more fun. And nobody loves what they do more than Baldy. That's funny. We had him on an hour ago. He had he didn't have anything good to say about you. It's, it was really uncomfortable, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dan- oh, we, 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 hey, by the way, before, before I, yeah. I run, you, this is that time of year. Romeo Langford, I mean, can I be excited? How, how are my Hoosiers going to look this year? Doug? Better. You're, you're too better. I mean, look, no, no, Romeo Langford is really, really good. I don't think his ego is as out of check as the announcement was that he's going to IU. And I think he plays for a really good coach. And look, you're in the Big Ten where Michigan lost so much firepower. Michigan State lost a bunch of their firepower, although they'll still be very good. They should be pretty good tonight. I think they lose tonight. Uh, I think Minnesota will be better. Uh, you know, Purdue lost all of their seniors. Um, so, I, look, I think they got a chance to compete in that league, and and, and I think they should be an NCAA tournament team. Okay, well, that's that's progress. We'll take right. it. We'll see. We'll see the Hoosiers. I think I have a, I think I have a game of theirs a little bit later on in the year, and I'll give you the complete rundown of what I like and what I don't like. Good enough. I appreciate you, buddy. Thanks, DJ. Appreciate Dan and Jeremiah joining us. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Let's check in with Ross Tucker. He's a former offensive lineman in the National Football League. He's got a great podcast, the Ross Tucker Podcast. Follow him on Twitter, at Ross Tucker NFL. Um, Jerry's just like, hey, look, he's he's young. He's our quarterback. He's going to be our quarterback. He's going to be extended. Simple as that. Is that a smart way for the Cowboys to look at their quarterback position? No, I don't think so, Doug, and I don't really believe it. I mean, there's a long history of Jerry Jones saying things that he doesn't really mean. I mean, the last time he said he wasn't going to make a change to a coach during the season, he did like less than 10 days later. I can remember when he told Peter King he was not going to be trading for Roy Williams from the Lions, and then that's exactly what he did. So I think he says what he feels like he needs to say at the time to get his desired result, which I think right now is for Dak Prescott to play better football. But this is year three, Doug. Here's how it goes. If he doesn't turn it around this year, they don't turn it around. They fire Jason Garrett. I mean, that, that's going to happen barring something unforeseen and them turning it around. And then what happens is they'll bring in some quarterback guy, quarterback guru, that, and his job will be to try to maximize what he can get from Dak Prescott. They will not extend him before his fourth year. They'll let him go into that year, and that would be smart, by the way, and see what they can get out of him that fourth year. If he plays well, if he turns around, Cowboys have never had a problem signing a guy or giving a guy enough money to keep him. Most guys want to stay with the Cowboys. Most guys want to be a Cowboy. So let him play out his fourth year and either give him the big extension then or if he you know, you know, doesn't really want to sign him and wants more money than you think, then you franchise tag him for a year there. But that would be the smart move. I don't know if that's what the Cowboys would do. I don't know that the smart move was trading for Amari Cooper, but – I think that's what they'll do. I think that they're that they're that smart enough to realize that's how you should go about this. I like the story that is the Houston Texans. I do. You know, J.J. Watt back off injury. Uh, Deshaun Watson back off injury. A team back from the dead. But I, I remember that if not for a Frank Reich decision, they tie in Indy. If not for Jason Garrett playing super conservative, they may lose to the Dallas Cowboys. And I don't know what's going on with Denver. I mean, Vance Joseph, 
uh, rightfully catching a ton of heat for kicking a 62-yarder and almost gifting them three points at the end of the first half. And then they settled on a 51-yarder when they could have got it closer in, in um, at the end of the game. So I'm, I'm willing to believe that Houston was better than their 0-3 record, but are they really as good as the record would tell you now? I don't think so. I mean, I think they'll end up winning that division. Although I do think both the Titans and the Colts are going to impress people in the second half of the year. I mean, Doug, the last two games the Colts have played, they rushed for over 200 yards each game. Luck hasn't been sacked in three games. They, they finally found the right combo at O-line. And then Tennessee, that's two impressive games for them in a row. I called their game in London against the Chargers. I thought they outplayed the Chargers that day. So I do think that the Texans will have some competition, but my guess is they'll still win that division, mainly on the backs of the guys you mentioned and DeAndre Hopkins. But I don't think that they are ready to compete with the Steelers or the Patriots or certainly not the Chiefs. And I I would say even the Chargers as well. So, you know, they're going to end up hosting that Saturday 430 wildcard game. And my guess is they'll lose to the Chargers. It'll kind of be a typical Texan season. But, no, they they got they still have one of the worst O-lines in the league, Doug. And Deshaun Watson, it's kind of the curse, I guess, of being that gifted. He's kind of like Russell Wilson or some of these other guys. He's taking way, way too many sacks which drives me crazy and makes it really hard for them to be able to, to get first downs and, and put more points on the board than the 19 they did against the Broncos. Meanwhile, you got Phillip Rivers who's not turning it over, not taking sacks. He took one purposely against the Seattle to run out the clock, but he's taken 11 sacks uh, all year, and yet they're, you know now they're changing kickers again. I think the kicking game has been really deceiving in terms of how good the Chargers are, so I'm going to ask you, how good are the Chargers really? Well, I was talking about somebody this about this today, Doug. I mean, they've got three good receivers in Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen, and both Mike Williams and Tyrell Williams. Their O line is playing like a top five to seven O line in the league right now. Melvin Gordon is out of control. He is awesome. Eckler, their backup, one of the best backup running backs in the league. Philip Rivers is a top five, top ten quarterback right now, and then defensively. You've got dudes. I mean, Melvin Ingram at the linebacker level, uh, Jatavis Brown's playing great on the back end. You have Derwin James, Casey Hayward. I mean, that's that's the team, Doug. That's that's like every position. They've got very good players. And so they're 6-2. and two. Their only losses are to the Rams and the Chargers. I mean, I'm sorry, and, and the Chiefs. And they've done it all without their best football player, and Joey Bosa. Right. They could be scary good when they get him back. I think that they're good enough to go on a legit playoff run. I know the Chargers always blow it. They yeah. never do it. I'm saying this year they do it. I'm saying this year they win at least one playoff game and maybe even give a New England or a Kansas City a run for their money. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating because their schedule is soft here as they have you know, three, three very winnable. you got, I think, Oakland and Arizona – Somebody else in between, whatever. Where they they got games they can win here coming up. Whereas a team like the Saints, who I think everybody believes is legitimate and even better if they can get home field, their schedule is really, really backloaded. And as good as I think the Chiefs are, I I mean, as the Saints are, I think their schedule may prohibit their ability to host the playoffs throughout. Is that is that fair? It's a, by the way, the Chargers have Raiders, Broncos at home, 
Cardinals at home before they go uh, to take on the Steelers on the road. And I'm with you on the Saints. What I would say, though, is kind of crazy about that. Look what they've just done. I mean, they, they destroyed the Redskins, who they're not a great team, but they're winning that division. Then they go on the road to Baltimore, back when Baltimore was clearly the best defense in the NFL and playing well. They win there. They win by double digits at Minnesota in a Sunday night game. Then they come back and beat the undefeated Rams. Now they got to play, you're right, the Bengals on the road. Then they play the Eagles. Then they play the Falcons, who all of a sudden are hot. Then it kind of slows down for them a little bit with Dallas and Tampa Bay. And then what's really awesome for all of us this year is that they play Carolina two out of the last three games, which I cannot wait because, Doug, Carolina is loaded. I mean, Curtis Samuel made a couple insane plays. Greg Olsen had the best catch I've seen this year. McCaffrey's a stud. And I don't know why when I see all these lists of midseason MVP and vote for midseason, nobody includes Cam Newton. I mean, he'd be three for me probably behind Patrick Mahomes and Drew Brees. Cam's playing better than he did in 2015 when he actually won the MVP. So you're right. And by the way, the one game in between those two Carolina games for New Orleans is the Steelers. So it won't be easy, but they've just won three really tough games in a row. Um, what what do you think about the Steelers thing with this Le'Veon Bell? Like I I, I think we all expect that he's going to show up because he does want to collect some checks and he does at some point want to play football to show what his value will be on the market. But does that do they actually get better? Because sometimes you add in a a, a versatile weapon and a really good one and it can screw you up. They're playing pretty good offensive football. Does it actually make them better? It's a really good point, and I, I think it does just. From a depth standpoint, and I do think he's a little bit better in the passing game than James Conner, but, you know, they've won four in a row, and I bet you they are a little hesitant to upset the apple cart. And, you know, he's going to be making whatever it is, $850,000 a week. You know, they could rescind the tag. You know, whenever he shows up, they could pull it and not pay him that. The problem is then they don't end up getting, you know, the compensatory pick that they would want if he leaves in free agency in March. You know, he's going to get a lot of money from somebody. That would be, you know, Steelers aren't typically very active in free agency, so that would be a third-round pick for them in 2020. I don't think that they want to give that up. Plus, you know, the running back position, they're a play away from Connor getting hurt, and then they got nobody. So I think they'll take their chances and maybe utilize him in a specific role. I also think... This is why one of the reasons why he didn't show up yet. I think he was going to show up during the bye, and he's like, wait a minute, they're doing pretty well without me. They're going to trade me. If I go there, they might trade me right. to somebody. I don't want to go somewhere else, or they might use me for 35 touches a game, and I don't know the offense, and it might hurt my value. I want to stay in Pittsburgh now where they'll probably only give me five to ten touches a game. I get the money. I know the system. It's one of the two or three best O-lines in the league. I can show everybody I'm still healthy. I'm still good. But Connor's doing well enough that they're not going to they're not going to ride me for 25 to 30 touches. Packers seasonable? Say it again? Uh, can the Packers be saved this year? I don't think so. And You know, I was thinking about this today too, Doug. Not only do I not think so, I think they're going to fire Mike McCarthy at the end of the year. I mean, if they don't make the playoffs this year, I think he's gone. Jason Garrett, I think, is gone. I think John Harbaugh is gone. 
So people talk about Lincoln Riley and the Browns. Let me tell you, I, I think all of these top candidates, and Lincoln Riley's one of them, I think they're going to have an unprecedented level of available jobs this offseason. I mean, you don't usually get to go to a place like Baltimore, that stable of an organization with that kind of talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, the Cowboys are the Cowboys. You might get a chance to go coach Aaron Rodgers for the next four years. I mean, it's going to be a uh, a buyer's market, if you will, if you're a coach and you're looking to get a job, which is why somebody's asking me, do I think there's any chance that Lincoln Riley goes to the NFL? Heck yeah, I think Lincoln Riley goes to the NFL. I think he's going to have two or three pretty awesome options to choose from. And if you don't take it now, you never know when it'll come. And by the way, I don't I mean, I don't follow it that closely, but he just said Baker Mayfield. He gets one year at Kyler Murray. I don't know who he has after this, but I doubt he's as good as these two do. Yeah, those those two are pretty uh, – they, they, they're pretty hard to they, – they are recruiting well, and they do have like, kind of the viable backup in an Austin Kendall, but the idea that he'll be Kyler Murray – you know, because he almost beat out Kyler Murray uh, in the you know in in the spring. That was more because Kyler Murray was playing baseball than anything else. Um, you know, you know, a team that actually is in a great spot with one of those wizard play callers is the Falcons, where Sark and I know you've been paying. You mentioned how hot the Falcons are. Matt Ryan's having an unbelievable year as those two seem to be working together really, really well. They got all kinds of injuries in the defensive side of the ball. It's Sark because of his off the field issues. Probably not hireable as an NFL head coach, but that's okay by the Falcons because those two are working together so well. Yeah, maybe that's the new formula if you really want to be successful is hire a guy that's really, really talented but has enough off-the-field baggage <laughs> that nobody can ever take him to be the head coach. So you, so you get sustained success and continuity at the offensive coordinator. And this is sort of what happened with Kyle Shanahan's second year. You know, you start to know what your players are good at. The quarterback gets more comfortable with it. And Sark's doing exactly in his second year what Kyle Shanahan did. You know, because they lost those games with all the defensive injuries, people don't realize how well Matt Ryan's playing, how well the Falcons are playing offensively because they lost a bunch of those games late when they couldn't stop anybody because of all the injuries on defense. But Sark has been masterful. I mean, they just went to the Redskins whose defense is legit, by the way, and put up 38 points on the road, just murdered the Redskins. It was very, very impressive. And the other thing about Sark, it's too, is, you know, and this is one of the funny things being in the media, it'll be a while before a lot of other people other than you say it because the narrative is, oh, he's sick. Like, people will still just say, oh, he's terrible in the red zone. Like, it takes a while for people to yep. catch up to, no, 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 that was last year, this is this year, and they're putting up like 30 points a game, so you're, you're slow on the uptick, but try to pay attention, Sark and the Falcons are rolling. Yeah, yeah, and, and actually, if you went back to even the Eagles game where he caught some heat because they weren't good in the red zone, it was Matt Ryan making the wrong read, not the play, not the, not the plays being, plays being bad, but they're working together really well now. Um... I got a little dude that's a wide receiver. Is this the ball cannon? Can you use He's nine years old. Is this going to break a finger or does this thing work for a nine-year-old? It is perfect for a nine-year-old. You can make the speed whatever you want. You can make the launch angle whatever you want. And even when you're on the radio, Doug, 
he can use it by himself because you put a delay feature on it. It's the coolest thing. I got two little ones as well. They love it. You put the delay feature to like half a second, a second, whatever you want, press the button, run your route, turn around, catch it. It's amazing. I, I can't believe a guy from my small hometown in Wyoming, Pennsylvania, invented the thing, and now people are buying it all over the place. Like eight NFL teams have them for various reasons, but then – I go outside with my five- and six-year-olds and play with it all the time. I'm not even kidding, Doug. It would be the perfect gift for the holidays for your nine-year-old. Hit me up after the show. Text me or something. We can work something out. And everybody listening, go check out ballcannon.com and check out the videos at ballcannon.com. It's the cool. It's the only thing my kids like more than their iPads, which is if anybody that has a kid right now knows – that's there's there's nothing higher than that. Okay, I'm gonna give you two stories that you'll love. Okay, all right. So my my little dude's nine. His first flag football game was in Connecticut. This is like four years ago, right? Right. And so he had he doesn't he doesn't like watching football on TV. He likes he's like I like playing, but he they like all the little kids they watch YouTube. So we get done. I just told him the story. He was cracking up. We get done with his first flag football game. and He won. And the guys were coaching him. They were like rugby guys. They just ran like pitches and sweeps and whatever. <laughs> anyway, he's like crying. And I was, why are you crying? He's like, Dad, there were no spectacular plays at all. None. No spectacular <laughs> plays. And I was like, hey, a spectacular play happens maybe, maybe once a week in the NFL. Maybe if you're lucky. He's like, no, that's not true. I watch it on YouTube all the time. I was like, yeah, that's a compilation of highlights. Anyway, fast forward to now. What he does, because he doesn't have a ball cannon, we have a trampoline, and he does uh, he does spectacular catches, mostly OBJ catches, on the trampoline by himself, and he does a little broadcasting announcing of all of his catches. That's what he does. That is exactly what kids do with the ball cannon. In fact, I've seen them now using it on the beach at tailgates. I've seen them jump off. You know, they have somebody press the button. And they jump off the diving board and make an Odell Beckham Jr. catch off the diving board. It's really like I'm. I wish that you know they had it when I was ten and not now when I'm almost forty because I would have loved to have been done doing crazy stuff before I had orthopedic issues out the yin yang. That's because you're an offensive lineman in the NFL. Check out the Ross Tucker podcast. I listen to it on the way to work. You should too. Check him out also on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL. Ross, thanks so much, man. See you, man. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.